0: Today I am going to talk about fathers, because we've been in a series, um, and right before we, uh, before we dive totally into it, I want to get to our declaration, because I want us to align our heart with what I'm about to say. It amazes me that sometimes people come to church, but they have not purposed in their mind that I'm going to align my heart with God's Word. They want Oh, Jesus, I'm fixing to step on somebody's toes and make somebody mad. They really come into the house purposed for the word to align with their heart. Mm, Jesus. And that's not how we do it. That's called eisegesis, where you take the word and make it fit your life or my life exegesis is just simply, God, what does your word say? And i got to line up with that. And so, um, let's align our word to get ready to receive what I'm about to talk to you about with fathers, all right? So, here we go. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything that I do flows from it. Amen, amen. So... um, in this series, Hill to Die, Hills to Die On, we've been talking about a lot of hot button topics. That it really shouldn't be hot button topics, but society has made everything a hot button topic. I mean, I'm serious. I, I don't, uh, it's made you so super sensitive of how to talk. And I'm, I'm not one of these, I know y'all probably think I am, but I'm really not. My skin is not as tough as I would like for it to be. I've got friends who are tough-skinned. They stand up in the pulpit, and they'll say whatever they want to say. Don't worry who gets mad about it. I, I'm not like that. I do, you know, and, and I don't like that about myself. It's a flaw you, I think you have to keep it in balance. You need to care enough to be compassionate, and you, you need to not care so much that you don't let that influence what you say if it's in alignment with what God told you to say. And so, you know, we've been talking about these things, and I know some of them are hot-button topics because of the culture that we live in. But we've got to be careful that we don't let culture begin to affect us so much that it begins to cause us to diminish truth. Are you following me? And I I have felt that way. I have felt that way that I cannot speak truth because, now I I do do it, but I have felt that I've not been able to speak truth because I'm going to make somebody mad. Either in my family or the church, you know, we have a different political view. What's what is wrong with people? You know, what's wrong with people? Why can't we Why can't we have views politically that are different? I don't get that. It's a political view. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It might be whatever, but what's wrong with people? that we can't just say what our view is politically and everybody doesn't just get ticked off and mad and can't be friends and unfriend folks on Facebook and you know like it's okay to have a different political view i didn't vote for this president does that make you hate me but i i now for our president i i do not disrespect our president Y'all's president. He ain't my pre- No, he's our... I, I live in the United States. My tax dollars are going to the government just like yours. He's my president. I pray for President Biden, the guy I did not vote for. There were two other presidents that I didn't vote for. I prayed for them too. There is not a person in this room that you have ever heard me. Go back. All the, ta- all the sermons. I've never never once disrespected a president from the pulpit. I've never taken that kind of time. But what's happened to the world that, you know, we now can't even talk? Like, we can't even have intelligent dialogue on anything. I, you know, talk about politics. Let's move it over to abortion. Like, I'm sorry, I just assumed that that was... A biblical, yeah, thumbs down on that. Not so in the church anymore. Not so. That actually becomes a political thing. And that's why I, I personally, I, I, you do what you want to and you work that out with God. But I just don't vote for people who uh, support abortion. I just don't. Um, just don't. Because it, it goes against, I do not want my tax dollars spent for that. Um, I don't want my tax dollars. Shay and I were speaking about this earlier. They're now trying to make in the uh, military that people with gender dysphoria, that they the military will be required to pay for their transition surgery. I I don't want my dollars to go for that. You know, I don't want my dollars to go for that. Like. Some people, if they had a sign-up system, and some people signed up and said, "Yeah, take whatever out of mine and send there. That's fine. You do what you want to with your money, but I don't want my money to pay for that." But what has happened is we're 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 coming into this time uh, in the world where all of these hot-button topics and all of these things are at like, as far as I know in my lifetime of 53 years, are at an all-time high like everything is offensive every are, are you everything is offensive everything is combative everything you know i've gotten to the place where you know i we have a mixed uh congregation african americans uh we have white people we used to have some say, hispanic people brazilian people i know we got some uh but you know like I should be able to say views and, and go like, yeah, but I still have so many friends in foreign countries, but we have a crisis. And, there, you know, we should be able to talk about that without offending. Like I have people in my close relationships before that were smuggled across the border in a trunk. And I love those people, have known them for years. I, I, I don't, Shay and I, you know, we taught English as a second language in the public school for years. That was my, that's what my wife's master's degree in. Our ministry in the school system was to illegal immigrants. But that's exactly what they are. They are here illegally. That shouldn't make people mad. But we live in this time and day where everything is an issue. And it's like, let's just go back to what, the, what does the Bible say? What does Scripture say? And when we look at these kinds of things, we'll begin to understand, like, I can't let culture define my views. I've got to let the Word of God define my views. And, and I'm telling you, there's plenty of people that will, ju- that will disagree over that. Well, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. I think it says this, I think it says that. Listen, we can sit here and argue all day, but at the end of the day, I'm like... Have we prayed about it? Have you gotten into alignment with what God's word says and his Holy Spirit says? What kind of, what kind of, um, you know, are are you operating out of? What kind of attitude are you operating out of when you talk about these things? Because I see some people out there that they are saying the right things with the wrong attitude. And it's like, bro, 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 ooh, tone it down. We drove by a sign. I can't even tell you how ugly the sign was about our president. And I told Shay, I said, they ought to be ashamed to have that vulgarity on the interstate where everybody can see it. Like, I would be embarrassed to have something that vulgar. It's so vulgar, I can't even tell you what it said. But it's right there on Highway 49, coming out of Mississippi into Alabama. So, and I'm like, you know, what is wrong when we cannot let the Word of God bring us into alignment with what He says on things? And it's like, if we would just take a few minutes to get into an atmosphere of peace, are you with me? Yeah. If we'd take a few minutes to get into the atmosphere of peace, what would happen is we would begin to allow Holy Spirit to tender our hearts and hear Holy Spirit. How, should I say this? Mm -mm, Don't say it. I've been in situations like that, but I'm serious. I've been in situations like that this week. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to say this. And Holy Spirit said, don't. I'm like, but... Don't. But it ain't going to change nobody's mind. They don't have ears to hear it. Don't. Okay, Lord. You know, get in the atmosphere of peace. When you can hear Holy Spirit, He'll tell you when to open your mouth and when to shut your mouth. He'll tell you, hey, that's the right thing to say. Wrong attitude. Check your attitude. And, you know, hey, you don't have any relationship with those folks you don't have any uh, ground to speak into their life. Are you following me? I'm telling you, man, if you build relationships with people, you'll be able to speak truth, and you'll even be able to speak difference of opinion, because difference of opinion doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. Y'all can both be right. I like macaroni and cheese. You don't. I'm sorry, you're just going to hell over that, you know. (laughs) No, neither one of those. It's a mute issue. It's a moot point. But we'll take things and we'll make them issues, and it divides. And the whole time, Satan is over there on the sidelines laughing his head off because we're off mission. We're off point. We done got off point. And so today, as I'm talking to you about fathers, I want you to look at this. Scripture says, uh, or Scripture doesn't say this. Rife says this. Fathers, they make a massive impact on the next generation. I want you to think about it for a second. Last week we talked about uh, we cannot let our children. That's a hill that we cannot die on. Like we cannot, we cannot let the last sacri- uh, the uh, us, the world sacrifice our children we got to stand up for them in the education arena. we got to stand up for them in the sexual arena. we got to stand up for them in, in the uh, culture arena. We cannot let the world have our kids. Amen. This message goes right along with that. That generation and the next generation and the next generation, fathers are the ones that make a massive impact on the next generation. I just want to read you some statistics. Normally, I'm not a statistic guy because they bore you to death and nobody remembers them and you don't know if I'm lying or making them up or whatever. But I just want to read you some statistics. I pulled off... uh, This is from the National Center of Fathering. Okay? And so, um, this one here that I'm about to read you is from the U.S. Census Bureau. And this... It hits home. Mississippi has the highest number of children living without fathers in the home. Mississippi does. That's my home state, 36%. Louisiana has 34% of children that have no dads in their home. And Alabama has 30%, almost 31% of children. 30% that they don't have a dad in the home. Are these bad homes? Absolutely not. Are the dads bad dads? Absolutely not. It just is what it is. Their dad could be killed in a war, an accident, just left in the middle of the night, divorced. I mean, it could be any number of reasons. And regardless, if you fall into a category where you're like, Pastor Rife, I, I'm one of those. You know, if I could just be so bold because I have a good relationship with Erica. Erica, you're raising little John. And he has a dad in his life, but he's not at his house every night. And I don't think you mind me. You've, that's part of your story. It's public. And it's not your fault. And you, you having to be mama and daddy in A lot of times. And that's why we got to come around our sisters. And sometimes our our brothers who don't have moms in the homes. Because it has an effect on them. Let me back that up. It can have an effect on them. But it doesn't have to. Because there have been some incredible young men. That have been born into homes without dads who have been raised up. They have become amazing community leaders, doctors, lawyers, school teachers, uh, uh, army lieutenants, generals, uh, politicians, pastors that have been raised up. In homes, because there's a godly mama and a godly grandma and a Medea and all of them around that have circled up and they, that village has raised the child. But look at these st- statistics. 63% of youth suicides, kids who don't have dads at home. 63%. 90% of homeless and run children, no dads in the home. of children who show behavior disorders which include sexual dysphoria, 85%, no dad is in the home. Dads in the homes matter. 80% of rapists, no dad in the home. 71% of all high school dropouts, fatherless homes. 75% of Children with chemical abuse, substance abuse, no dad at home. 70% of youth in state-run institutions, incarcerated institutions, in juvenile, 70%. No dad at home. 85% of youth in prison come from fatherless homes. Like, this is state penitentiary. 85% do you think dads matter? In these homes, it doesn't mean that mom's not doing a good job. But I'm here to tell you, and this is cross-culture, there are some things a, a man can do that a woman cannot do. And vice versa, but we ain't talking about women today. Vice versa, there are some things a woman can do that a man cannot do. That's why when God made male and female to come together, he knew it took both. Um, listen to this forty three percent of u s children live without a father forty three percent are you kidding me? Almost half of our nation does not have a chi- does not have a father in the home. That is scary, friends. Um, of pregnant teenagers, 71% no father in the family. 63%, I think I read that one, of youth suicides from fatherless families. 90% of repeat arsonists live with only their mother. That's something, I don't know if Brian Smith knew that, he's the fire professional, but it says 90% of repeat arsonists. You see the, the correlation between not having a father in the home and all of the behavioral issues that we have in society. Dads are important. Fathers make, say this with me on the screen, fathers make a massive impact on the next generation. I mean, you You have to look at things like that. You have to look at our society. And if I could just, for a minute, talk to you, because, like, I've done it. I'm sure you've done it. We've all posted uh, little memes. Uh, I I love some of those things that, uh, you know, show, like, this is is why mothers do not leave the children with dad, uh, you know, for the weekend or whatever. You've seen those, and uh, the. But listen, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. I'm not against women's lib. Just not against it. Um, I believe that God created man and woman to work together. I believe the scripture tells us that, teaches us that. And for a long time, our society was out of whack. And of course, women couldn't vote. They were uh, sub subpar in everything. They couldn't get certain jobs. Like you know, it, it needed to come. The pendulum needed to come back to balance, to center. But y'all know, for those of you who have been around Destiny for any length of time, you know I've, I've said to you, normally when the pendulum's way over here out of whack, when it swings back, it hardly ever swings to the center. It normally swings way over here. And way over here is where we are right now. And if you'll go and you'll look at television shows, like, I'm just telling you, man, some of the funniest sitcoms, uh, there's this little sitcom right now called Man with a Plan. Anybody seen that one? Uh, It's hilarious. The dad's an idiot. Anybody ever seen Everybody Loves Raymond? Super dysfunctional show. Reminds me totally of my parents. I'm, I, I'm not lying, I saw the show, and I'm like, that's my family. Like, I'm serious. That, I, like, is that my mom? That's my mom. You know? I'm Raymond. I'm the favorite in the family that gets doted on. And then I'm like, wait, Raymond, Raymond's dumb. You know? I'm like, I don't want to be that one. But what happens is women's lib comes out. And women want their rights, but now we're castrating the male. We're, We're castrating masculinity. And so we're swinging way, way over here. We're trying to get the right thing, but way, way over here. And men are made to look dumb, stupid, weak, incapable. I'm just telling you, man, when my wife leaves and goes off, There's nothing she can't, there's nothing she can do that I can't do. I might not be able to do it better. I know I won't be able to do some of that business stuff better than her. But you know what? I can keep the house. I can wash clothes. I fix my own dinner. The house ain't a pigsty when she comes back home. You know, it doesn't make me a sissy. It just makes me clean, organized, and able to take care of myself. You know? And... But we've made it to where, like, men are idiots. They're subservient. They're weak. They're, you know, um, unintelligent. You get the point. On all of these little sitcoms, you go and re- watch them. Hardly ever do you see a male character that is all together. Something's wrong with him somewhere. He's dysfunctional in some way. And we beat down the, the, the male identity and then, you know, women, you know, y'all don't jump on me now. I need some bodyguard when we leave here. <laughs> but what will happen is women want men to step up. But every time men s- step up, they're being told that they're stupid. You're incapable. You can't do this. And, and, like, men need to be empowered. Men need to be empowered. There are some men that will never become the spiritual leader of their home. Why? Because their wife won't let them. Jesus. Y'all can get mad at me if y'all want to. But I'm leaving right after this with a (laughs) bodyguard. But I'm serious. There are women who the husband will not be the spiritual leader because he, 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 he can't be. The wife won't let him. And it's one of those vicious cycles. She wants him to be, but Yeah, in any little bit of trying, you know, it's like squash that down. Don't be that wife. Encourage your husband. Like they need encouragement. We need encouragement. In families, the husband. I I, can I talk about my family because if I talk about your family, you get mad. But can I talk about my family? I lived in a family, my dad is past, my mom's still alive, she's 88. I lived in a family with a domineering mother. My dad was, I would go, like if I wanted to go out and do something, I would go to my dad and I would say, dad, you care if I go with Stevie to the mall, what would your mom say? I didn't ask her. Go ask your mama whatever she says is good. We didn't play that game. Not in our house, not at mine and Shay's house. If I say it, You know, or I'll say, let me talk to you, Mom. Let's see if we got anything planned. We'll come to a decision. But we didn't play that pit the parent against uh, one another. But I lived in a dominating house. My mom ruled with an iron fist. We were all scared of her. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. She may come to visit us one day, and y'all going to think she's, you know, Hitler or something. But, you know, she's a sweet little 88-year-old woman now, but she used to be hell on wheels. And I grew up in a family where my model of manhood, while he could skin a bear and kill it with a butter knife, like he could do all that manly stuff. But when it came to the household, you know, like he, he made no decisions. He was constantly and verbally abused. And so that was what I grew up in looking at that dysfunctional model. And I'm like, that will not be my inheritance. That is not my inheritance. And so as we look at this whole thing of men and the part they play, I want to just share a few things with you when it comes to Scripture. Um, I'm going to read three verses in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 is one of my favorite verses of Scripture because it gives us basically our mandate for life. Then, the scripture says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, manhood. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Like, this is, he just created mankind, and now he's telling you, this is what you do in life. You're fruitful, you multiply, you fill the earth, and you govern it. I want you to look at this. Genesis 2.15 says that the Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend it and watch over it. So God creates us in this instance where I'm, I'm focusing on men. But men, you have a purpose. Like, I really need you to understand how important this is. I don't think any of you guys want to re- me to read these statistics and go... Uh, let, let me make that go up a hundredth of a percent by this being one of my kids. That's a repeat arsonist, homeless, get pregnant before they're whatever, you know, go to prison, all these. None of you guys would want that to be your child's inheritance. So men, please listen to me. And moms, please listen to me. The value that the father brings into the family and I'm telling you what, this is a mountain we cannot, a hill we cannot allow fatherhood to die on. Because I'm telling you, these are hot button topics in today's culture, but they're telling you nowadays that it's okay. I won't even say some of that because I think there are some of y'all who, who, who you still hadn't made your mind up on where you stand on some of this stuff. But there, there are... Organizations that they are all about the single-family home. Destroying the nuclear family, basically, mom, dad, and kids. Mom, dad, and kids. It's all right. We don't need, we don't need a dad. We can take care of it. We can raise it. I can raise uh, this adopted child with my lover of the same sex. Two men can raise a little girl. I'm going to tell you all what. See, I could get really, really, really graphic here. Preacher, don't say those things in church. Let's don't talk about it, please. Let's don't talk about that stuff. It just unnerves me, preacher. I just want to think happy thoughts and marshmallow dreams. (laughs) Well, you can have your little marshmallow dreams if you want to. All the while, Satan is discipling the children that we abdicate our authority over not on my watch with my family doesn't mean that a trans couple or same sex couple are bad people it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that they can't do certain things but God designed it this way and both male and female bring things to the table I'm not sure that I could fully explain a menstrual cycle at 53 years old if I had to raise a little girl by myself. Like, I know a few things, but it's like, uh-uh, God didn't create me for that. You, that's your job. And there were things when it came to my little boy that it's like, Shay's like, that's your job. You, ex- you got to talk to him about that. And I'm like, I don't mind. You know, I can have those talks. I mean, they brought me into school to give the fifth grade talk, sex talk to the fifth. Oh. Oh. Zach was in the fifth grade. Stand up, Zach. Zach. Zach, who is now third year, third year in college. He was in the fifth grade. They called Mr. Stewart in to give the sex ed talk to the fifth graders. I didn't realize that little Zach was going to be in there. And uh, so anyway, I'm like, are y'all sure y'all want me? Because I'm going to tell them the truth. And I'm not going to, you know, I, I was in there the year before, and I won't call his name. But I was in there the year before, and they had one of the coaches in there. And, you know, he's in there, and he's like, well, boys, I tell you. Uh, so let's see it's kind of like we'll know uh, well you know sometimes when I'm glad y'all came today boys don't get any girls pregnant and that was the talk it was terrible and so I'm like I'm going to be very blunt with them And I'll I'll keep it tasteful, but I'm going to be very blunt, plain with them. And I shared that. Of course, Zach went home and told his parents that I scarred him for life. (laughs) But after years of therapy, I think he's going to be okay. But you know what? There, There are men that need to talk to little boys and teach them stuff like that. I grew up in a house where nobody ever talked about sex. So do you know where I learned my version of sex from? Pornography. Well, everybody knows that's not real. But that's how I that's what I learned because I did not have parents that wanted to talk about that. And I'm telling you what, man, We were just very blunt with our children and just very plain terms and told them biblically and all of that. So getting back to this, where when you're in the Garden of Eden, God created male and female because both bring something valuable to the table. So as I look around the room and I see people that you were raising little ones or raising teenagers, you don't have that father that might be in the picture all the time. Well, guess what? You need to reach out to people and little John needs to be around some guys. You know, he needs to be around some guys. His dad, I'm sure, is one of them. Praise God. Y'all just had some time with him and his dad. But on the times when he's not, little John, you're, you're little ones. They need men in their life. Men, if it's a female, they need females in their life. And I want you to look at this. In Genesis chapter 1, In Genesis chapter 2, we have the purpose that God gives. And in this purpose, look at it. We're created with a purpose, on purpose. We're created on purpose, with a purpose. When God created you, He had an idea for you. And He not only... Created you on purpose, with that purpose. But in in Genesis chapter 1, there he says, Fill the earth, be fruitful, multiply, govern it. And you can break it down into these two categories. Number one, multiply. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. In other words, don't just stay in one place. God made us to branch out. To uh, experience adventure and go and reproduce ourselves. So basically, we're multiplying. We're reproducing ourselves. The second thing is, when you you reproduce, you got to manage it well. And what happens is, we have some men. Y'all, listen to me now. We've got some men who are who are living out half of their purpose. They're over here propagating. And producing some babies, but they are not managing their family well. They're not stewarding their family well. I, I, all right, let me go back to my own family. Because when I talk about my family, it ain't none of your business unless what I tell you, right? <laughs> Same way with you. So I'm gonna talk about my family. And then I can worry about them being mad at me. I have a brother, he multiplied, had a kid spitting image. It's just like you chopped him in half and there was two of them. I guess it'd be two halves, but you know what I mean. But I mean he looked exactly like him. We don't even know that child. He's an adult today. My brother was, was truly, he abandoned that child. There is a... There is a grown man walking around somewhere in Texas that he has the last name Stuart. That he looks the spitting image of my brother that we know nothing about because he abandoned that child. He multiplied, but he did not manage well. He didn't pay child support. I'm ashamed to say that. He didn't pay child support. He didn't take care of him. He was never there for any ball games. He was never there for any of these things. Guess where that child ended up? He's one of these statistics. He's on drugs. Had time in the jail. What could his life have been like if my brother had taken care of him? Been there for his little league games. Been there for his school programs. Been there to talk to him about how you treat a woman. Been there to tell him what to do on the first date. How to, you know, respect your mother. All of these things. What would it have been like? Sadly, it was not meant to be because he didn't do his job. He did not manage well. God creates us men for those two things. To multiply and manage. And not, you know, the thing I love about, go look up there at Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. It says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful. When I think about fruit, I don't just look at that and go, hmm, just reproduce a lot of you. I look at that and I go, you know, when you talk about man, that, was, that just wasn't very fruitful for me what you really mean is that wasn't very productive, beneficial. That wasn't very prosperous for me. So when I look at be fruitful, I look at that as God intends for us to be prosperous. He, he, successful. Anybody in here want to get on the bus out here in the parking lot after church and go, we want to go to unsuccessful town. I'm ready to get on the poverty train. I'm ready to get on the sinking ship. I want one that floats. I want to go. I want a life of prosperity. I want to be successful in what I do. Well, there's a built-in prosperity right there. God created in us the ability to be fruitful. Listen, I'm gonna make some folks mad. I'm 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 putting it out there so you can brace yourself from what I'm about to say. But we're living in a culture right now. That says you're suppressed, you're oppressed, and while there may be some of that, it, 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 it exists. But by and large, you can do anything you want to do. I do not care what color you are. I do not care if you came from a poor family. I do not care if you weren't unedu- uh, you were uneducated. I do not care where you know ever you are, there is a built-in prosperity factor built into you that whoever you are, regardless of your age, race, socioeconomic status, there's a built-in ability that God prophetically put inside of every Every one of us that you have the ability to rise above where you are, where you were. You don't have to stay there. I'm telling you, I'm white and I know I have white privilege. I get all of that. I get that. I get that. But I was poor I come from a bunch of uneducated folks. I come from a bunch of racist folks. I come from a lifestyle. I come from a, a long line of alcoholics, divorcees, people that got pregnant before they were married. And I said, I'm going to pull myself out of that. Because that's not my heritage. Or that uh, inheritance. Well, I, I guess you got somebody to pay for your college. I did, me. Well, I guess you got some loans, didn't you? Brother Biden's going to pay that off for you. No, he didn't. Rife Stewart paid it off. Took us how many years? Seven or eight years, but I paid my college loans off. I did. I said, I am not going to be an alcoholic. It stops with me. I said, I will never experience divorce in my family. I said... I took responsibility and I'm like, listen, they've not managed well. I looked at my family and I'm like, we were poor, but we had love. That's the one thing my daddy made sure of. <laughs> None, of, 80% statistic, 80% of y'all don't know what that was. <laughs> Loretta Lynn, a coal miner's daughter. We were poor. We were poor. I was a poor kid. But you know what? I determined I wasn't going to live that life of poverty. Not just financially. I wasn't going to live the life of poverty mentally. That I can't do that. That's for other people. My mom literally told me one time when I was telling her about my dream to be an airline pilot. She said, oh, son." That's for rich people. That's not for people like us. That's for rich people. I told you that story before. You know what? I believed it. I just chunked that dream aside. I totally believed what my mom said because that's where she lived. She had a poverty mindset that people like us, we just we just pour white trash from the wrong side of the tracks in Mississippi, you know, Uh, like that mentality. I'm like, no, I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to get out of this state. You get outside of the state. Ooh, it's big. And there's more. I'm going to get out of this country. And I did. I'm going to go to more than one country. And I have. I'm going to go to college. I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm just telling you my story. I'm the only college graduate in my family. The only one. Because my family, that was for rich folks. We can change if we manage well. What I begin to look at my family, we were poor. But we just didn't manage our resources well. Most people who live in poverty, Shay and Sheila years ago took this class, this uh, workshop. And it was a study of poverty. Poverty. People who live in poverty, they suffer from a lot of different mindsets. One is immediate gratification and the inability to see long term. So on Friday, man, I got my $300 in my hand or whatever people make, you know. But I got got my money. I got my paycheck. I'm going straight to the bank. I'm going to get that sucker cashed. I'm going to go rent me 18 movies from Blockbuster, you know, back in the day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, go get me a couple of six-packs of beer or a case of beer. Uh, I'm going to, you know, go buy me steak and all. I mean, we, we eat, oh, Friday and Saturday, we're going to live it up. But by Monday, you broke as you can be. You can't pay none of your bills. But what, what that study showed is that poverty-minded people typically lack the skills to manage well. It's not that they, they can't go anywhere with what they have, because if you got just a little bit, you can grow it into something. But if you don't know how to manage your little bit, that's why God says, he who uh, has been given much, much is required. And he who has been given little, that if you'll be faithful in the little things, God will give you greater responsibility. It's just that whole management thing. And so God, He gives us a purpose and as He does all of this, watch what happens in Genesis chapter 3. Now God made us, He put us in the garden, gave us a plan and purpose, but look at this, here comes the serpent, Satan. So the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God made. One day He asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? So, right here, I'm leaving out a lot of backstory. all right? When God put them in the garden, he said, y'all in charge of everything. He said, but there's just those two trees. Don't touch those. Those are off limits. Ain't God mean? He didn't gave them. He only gave them... 99% of the garden. Sorry, joker. He going to keep back. No. God's garden in the first place. He said, y'all can have all this. Just those two don't eat. And here's the thing. If I have a child and I say to the child, listen, you can play with all these toys on the floor. But don't, don't take a screwdriver and stick into that socket over there. Why are you being so mean to me, Dad? <laughs> you jerk, you're being so mean. No, I'm telling you that, buddy, because I don't want you to get killed. I don't want you to get electrocuted. It has nothing to do with how mean. I'm looking out for your welfare. God says, I don't want you to eat from those two trees because they have medicinal purposes. They, y'all know that, right? Like we get medicine from plants and whatnot. Those two trees had abilities. One of them was eternal life. The other was knowledge. And God said, just leave those alone. The enemy comes in. And he totally changes it. And He said, did God say y'all wasn't supposed to eat from any of these trees in the garden? That's not what he said. Not what he said at all. And she clarifies it. And she says, oh, no, no, no. That's not what he said. Not what he said. He said we're not supposed to eat from these trees. Now, here comes the big fat lie. He said, that's not true. You're not going to die. Can't you see that this is a good thing for you? Go ahead. So he takes the fruit, or she takes the fruit. She eats it. Adam also eats with her. They rebel against what God had told them. Now, you and I have to understand, God ain't dumb. God does not hold back, like, uh, imperative information to us. Don't you know that they knew what that tr- those trees were? F- they, they knew more than, everything is not in the Bible. So do I know this for a fact of what I'm b- fixing to say? No, I don't know it for a fact, but I just know my God. And I know uh, God is not saying, don't eat from that tree. Right? What? Why? why not? Why not, Lord? They, they probably didn't say that, but let's just say they did say, why not? Why not? Don't you worry about it. You do as I tell you to do, not as I do. Are, are you following me? That is not the God. I don't, don't read the scripture through that lens. God is like, now listen, this one, this one has eternal life. Okay, don't mess with this. This one over, they already had eternal life. This one over here is knowledge. Like Be careful, don't eat. And the enemy goes and he distorts it and lies and they sin. And here we are today living in all of these. And what happens, the reason I point that out is because the enemy comes and he begins to lie to us. So let's look at these. Some lies that Satan tells men. This is not exhaustive. These are just a few things that I know that God lies to men about. I don't know about enough about God to be the spiritual leader in my home. The enemy lies to you and he lies to me. Y'all, I promise you, if I said, if you'll be honest, raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but if I said, be honest. In your house, has Satan ever told you that you're not smart enough? You don't know enough about God to be the spiritual leader. I promise you, I know hands would go up because he's spoken that to me. And I might be the only one raising my hand because there was a time where I didn't know enough about God. Do you see what Satan did right there? He actually told a little bit of truth. Did God really say that you weren't supposed to eat any of the truth? There was part of a truth in there. But then he twists it. God will say, uh, uh, the enemy will say some things to you that will be a little bit of truth and then he'll twist it. You don't know enough about God. You're not as smart as her. The fact is, is that may be actually true. But men, could I just tell you this? Start here and say this, I, this, oh my, man, this, this is probably just so elementary. It may be beneath you. I hope it's not, but you could just start at this place. Hey babe, I want to be the spiritual leader that I know God has called me to be and that our family needs, but I honestly don't know how to do that. Could you help me And I don't know a lot. You've been saved, you know, 15 years. I just got saved a year ago. Uh, Will you help me, like, be patient with me as I try to learn how to do this? I want to do it, but I don't feel like I possess everything that I need. Could you be patient with me? Could you also not make fun of me? (laughs) Because men, like, we tough, but we got some tiny little fragile uh, egos when it comes to, uh, you know, feeling insulted. Right? Am I right? Stephanie over there going, mm, Jesus preaching. No, I'm joking. But if you could start there and say, listen, I'm going to try. I just want to try. And I might fall flat on my face. But I can't take you making fun of me. Uh, don't even tell me how I did the first time. Tell me like in three days, okay? Build me, let me build my confidence up. I know that might be so simple, guys, but I'm telling you, start somewhere. And wives, give them the opportunity because the enemy is telling your husband that you would love to be the spiritual leader. He is dumb. You ain't got what it takes to be a spiritual leader. That is a lie. Look at this one. My past disqualifies me as a spiritual leader. If that were true, everybody, let's just take off all our stuff and go home and close down. Because there ain't a person in this room that doesn't have a past. But his grace that we sang about at the beginning of our time, his grace covers all that and it doesn't exist anymore. Your past does not disqualify you. Now you need to get on a pattern of success and people can help you. You can't keep in that repeat, repeat, repeat. You got to get out of that. You got to break that sooner or later. I don't have anything of value to say. You in a group, you got something. Don't, don't say that. It's stupid. It's stupid. Lord, is that You? God doesn't say stuff like that. Just like earlier in the message, I was saying, the Lord said, Don't say it. Mm -mm, Don't say it. But He didn't belittle me. He didn't belittle me. He said, Don't say it. It's not the right time. People don't have ears to hear. He didn't say, You an idiot, man. Don't be saying that. You stupid. You don't, just be quiet. Everybody's going to think you an idiot. You have to be able to discern the voice of, You're a good, good father. A good father never berates his children. A good father never minimizes who you are. A good father is always encouraging you. A good father will say, Now listen, just say it. Just say it. You've got something valuable to say. Another lie is, You're a fake. You're a fake. You got, secret, uh, you got sin in your life that's a secret. And if anybody found out, you'd be exposed, yada, yada, yada. Listen to me. Guys, you are not a fake. The scripture says, let us confess our sins one to another. And if you'll get in a group of guys like we have at our church, we had an incredible retreat where the men got together and we confessed. And I'm telling you, it was one of the most freeing, liberating, compassionate, empowering experiences that I've ever felt in my life when I had a band of brothers around me that I could just say, look at this. Because as long as you wear it, you will feel a fake and the enemy will use that as blackmail against you. You're a fake. You're too old or you're too young. You are never too old. I don't know how old Lynn is. Lynn, how old are you? 67. I don't know how old you are, which that's not old. My mama's 88 and she's going like the Energizer Bunny. But this man works with inner city youth, mentoring them, discipling them. Man, he should be kicking back retiring. No, you're never too old. And then I look around and I see people like Brandon, who, Brandon, you're helping disciple young men and be an influence. You're never too young and you're never too old to do what God has purposed in you. How do I activate this, Pastor Rife? What do I do? Well, here's how I believe you can combat this. What do you want me to do, Pastor Rife? You said men make this massive, massive impact on the next generation but I end up I'm dealing with all of these lies that the enemy constantly is speaking and this is how you do it you recognize the lies you just recognize the lies and if you will just listen for a minute to the tone of voice my wife and I we were having this conversation this morning and she said it's the words not, not the tone Sometimes that might be true, but sometimes it's the tone that you say the words in. But you start listening to the words that are being said to you. And you'll begin to hear the tone in the voice inside of you. And if it's a demeaning voice or a condescending voice or a condemning voice, that's not God. Over here now, if it's a voice of correction, that's probably God. If it's a voice of compassion or encouragement, that's God. God's never going to berate you or demean you or condemn you. God may criticize you, but when we're talking about criticizing, He might be like, you know, you could have done that better with a better attitude. He's correcting you. Recognize the voice that's being spoken to you because sometimes Satan sounds like Holy Spirit. The way you combat that is, Father, my good, good Father, would this be something that you said to me? And if it's not, you tear it down. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretentious uh, or pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So I want you to stand with me. And what you have to do is you have to recognize when the enemy comes and he's lying to you, and you have to literally demolish that stronghold. Pre- it says pretension. Pretension. It's a, it's a version of you that is not true, it's a pretense. And the enemy, if you're not careful, those lies will begin to tear you down. Like, here's a lie that uh, the enemy told me years ago. And the enemy, I kept it to myself. And when the scripture says, confess your sins or confess your issues, if you will, to one another. When you confess something and you got a band of brothers or sisters around you, when you confess something, they it gives the enemy no longer power over you, but it also gives somebody who will come along your side and be accountable. So this lie that the enemy told me was, you will not be a good father. You will not be a good father. And so I believe that. And then the enemy, if you give him a little bit, he'll take more. He'll say, well, you won't be a good father to, to uh, sons. And I'm serious. I'm like, God, please don't let me have a son. Please don't let me have a son. Because why why was I going to be a good father to sons? Well, you don't know how to hunt. You don't know how, like, you can't even throw a ball straight. You have no manly qualities whatsoever. You, you know, you, you can't even grow good facial hair. This is the stuff that the enemy, like, look at you, man. Chris, you got this big old, he grew that last night. But like, for me, that, that was an enemy lie. And I believed that lie for years well, here's what I didn't know. The enemy knows the anointing on you most of the time when you don't even know it yourself. He knows it many times before. The enemy knew King David was anointed to be king. He knew there was anointing on him before uh, 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 Samuel ever went and anointed him. So the enemy can see the anointing on you and he'll begin to be preemptive and begin to say, Yeah, yeah, no, you're not going to be this, you're not going to be that, you're not going to be that. What happens? You begin to let him build a pretense, a pretension, a pretend version of you. And this scripture says you take that and you stomp it and you demolish it and you take that high thought that's up here that you've allowed it to become up here and you take it and you make it captive to the word of God. And you subvert it to the word of God.